The following show will contain spoilers, but trust us, you'll want to hear about it anyway. You little turds are going to have to learn you can't run from the ice cream man! Welcome to Subversive Cinema. These films risk causing harm! They should be burned! I'd like to do any of these two guys at the same time. What? Hell yeah! I don't know you any book. No more books! Welcome back to the show, everybody. It is me, Art, your host, your wrangler of the weird, Sherpa to the strange, and purveyor of the peculiar and just gross. And today's subject is 1987's nostalgic gem, at least for me, the Garbage Pale Kids movie, based on the popular top trading cards created by John Pound. And this was directed by Rod Amatu. Some of his claim to fame was directing the unaired pilot of Gilligan's Island. And he also did a bunch of stuff back in the day. George Burns and Gracie Allen show. Did a lot of stuff way back. So he did this movie when he was in his late 60s. And that might explain why we got what we got. And to talk about this awesome, awesome, trashy thing is good friend of mine and of the show, Dan. How are you, Dan? Doing well, Art. How are you? doing i think i'm doing better than you <laughs> so my understanding is you've heard of the movie right yeah and you'd never seen it until now never seen it never had a reason to see it until now it's ice cold buddy yeah. uh, are you glad i made you watch it uh y- yes and no yeah it's one of those oddities that i'd heard so much about i was like i gotta have a good reason if i ever watch that because i heard also how how just awful it was so yes i'm glad that i finally had a reason to to check it out but in the end i was just like that movie was um as i, I texted you before this i texted you that the movie was garbage i know that's a bit on the nose but hey <laughs> <laughs> uh well I, I would say that the critics tend to agree with you since this has a astounding one metacritic score so one. it's one out of a hundred doesn't have a zero so clearly it, it did something right but we will get into all this my first full disclosure though i need to i need to make it clear this film and actually another one that dan will also be watching later in the season it holds a weird special place in my heart because it is 100 percent nostalgia value for me because i saw it when i was a little kid got it i mean this movie came out in 87 I probably saw it within a year or two after it came out. So I was like, what, seven or eight? And scenes, lines, moments, music emblazon themselves in my memory. And this is the first time I'm revisiting the film in easily 25, almost 30 years, I'm thinking. So it was a trip to see things with a grown-up's set of eyes. But I still have that memory. So yeah. I will fully admit this this movie is garbage. It is awful, but there's so much about it that's wonderful. And it's it's a it's a unintended comedy. I mean, it is a comedy, but it's so much more than that. <laughs> I, I this makes this is this makes it interesting because as I, as I was watching it, I was like, now I wonder what the intended audience thought. Well, first, I was confused because I was like, wait, what is the intended audience of this movie? I don't <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> but I, I assuming that it's for based on like a children's um, trading card series, uh, you know, I thought children. Are you not familiar with the Garbage Pail Kids cards? I am familiar with the cards. 
but okay. not I've, I've never collected them or owned any so see i think that was the other thing is that i collected them Oh. And I ha I was a huge fan of them. In fact, I I brought them all when I traveled back across country. But I'm pretty sure that I have almost, if not a complete set, then almost a complete set. Oh like, my god! I was down with these cards, and they made doubles. It would always be the same image, but they would change the name. So I can't remember, but you know. Um, uh, let's see, like Wendy Winston would have another name like Farting Frank or something. I don't remember oh, exactly the name, whoa. but they would have variations. Yeah. So, uh, and when later on, you know, we'll, we'll get to this in the story, but when the kid, the garbage pail kids are looking for their friends, they just start shouting random names into the garbage cans. Mm -hmm. I knew every single one of them. Like I knew what they look like. Ultraviolet. I remember them. So it, and it that really scene, was a thing. I I wondered that. I was like, wait, are they saying the names of these other cards? You know, that, uh, okay. Yeah. That, that, um, that's actually pretty amazing. <laughs> so wait a minute. You're going to be looking at this all through nostalgia goggles. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, okay. Um, I, I, I think I want to let you know that who is the audience for this movie? And, and that, I think it's people who really understand this level of comedy. Oh, Wendy, totally uncool. So, yeah. <laughs> totally uncool. Oh, oh, alligator, you. Okay, so it's let's talk about let's talk about Garbage Pail Kids. It's a story about 80s fashion, toxic relationships, peeing mm -hmm. one's mm -hmm. pants and farts. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. but also so much more. So so much more. Uh, what mm -hmm. we we are treated to an opening credit sequence that sort of, kind of, in a weird way, hints at where these garbage pail kids came from. You see a giant garbage pail flying through space, playing very fast and loose with the rules of physics as it pilots along. <laughs> Next thing you know, we suddenly shift to the fact that there is a garbage pail inside Captain Manzini's antiques, <laughs> and we see that you know they they shimmy their way out of the garbage pail. And by the way, there's something this this movie is wildly inconsistent. <laughs> with its with its world building mm -hmm. so we have things in the store coming alive as the garbage pails awakening and you know get hints of the kids running around and fucking things up before having to duck back in because manzini's like oh you kids well then we uh cut over and we were introduced to our hero okay when this kid first showed up in this movie for a brief moment i thought it was the same actor who played the kid in trolls 2 oh it's so funny you should say that because it's not but when we go to see Dodger, the, the hero of the story, run through the park and get accosted by the bullies, we are now met with our villains, our trio of villains. We have um, Juice, Wally, and Blythe. And, of course, his love interest, uh, Juice's girlfriend, and it's Dodger's love interest, Tangerine. And Tangerine, when I first saw her, I thought she was the sister from Trolls 2. Oh, I can see a resemblance. Yeah, had the like the, the the eyes, the '80s hair, everything. Yep. Uh, so anyway, they they you know these twenty year old punks are accosting a fucking fourteen year old kid. They take his lunch money or whatever. I, what was that about? I thought that I thought it was something way more important, but no, they were just taking his money. No, it's not like he did some sort of weird shit on a drug deal and he like yeah. stiffed them. Like no, they literally like, hey there, creep. Because whatever, call this kid a creep. There's nothing creepy about him, but yeah, creep. You know, hold on. Why? Why should I even say it when I can let Juice say it for himself? Yes. 
Oh, and, and the way this guy sounds, he sounds like he's always he's got a weird speech pattern. It's well, it, that's called just being a bad actor. Okay, creep, gimme. I don't have any money. If he ain't got money, he ain't got nothing. You're running out of time, creep. No, please. Little baby gonna cry. Wally. <laughs> Little baby gonna cry. So Dodger runs back to his friend slash pseudo father figure, Captain Manzini. He works at this store that has no customers. They even admit that. I don't know how he affords it. And they have this weird quasi-paternal bond where he immediately tells him to undress and he casts a spell and the, the washing machine turns on. So now I'm like, okay, magic's real, right? Magic is real. Uh, then he, he lets him bathe and, you know, whatever. Um, I, I don't know. Whatever. Look, I'm jumping ahead. It's fine. Fuck it. These weird kids come out after the bullies come to the store. Garbage pail kids are around. They look like creepy little rubber dolls the size of little people. And they run amok. He falls in love with Tangerine, who uh, transposes her abusive relationship with Juice onto her relationship with Dodger. Fashion happens. It's bullshit, batshit. Bikers are involved. There's a lot of farting. There's vomit and the fashion show. And then everything ends in some sort of a sane asylum for the ugly people. Whatever. Fuck yeah. it. Dan, let's just get into this. The city home for the ugly. That's which... right. Thanks for the overview. That was actually very helpful. Does, was it? It wasn't helpful point. to me. <laughs> well, it needed, to be, it needed to be said. It was helpful that it, we got it out of the way. Okay, yes. so right from the start, you're right. This movie doesn't get its own story straight. Like, it doesn't know what its rules are. Like, the kids get out of the garbage can at night, and you see the antique store kind of come alive a little bit, and it's very subtle, and it's you, some might interpret it as magical. And then all of a sudden, they get back in the garbage can. It's easy enough. When mm -hmm. um, Manzini comes in, Captain Manzini comes in and, and puts like a little diver's helmet onto the lid of the garbage can to seal them in. But then when the garbage can falls down later, when the bullies come in and knock it over, they're they're released out again. And, uh, oh, well, I guess they're, they have to, the only way to get them back in is with a magic spell or something. Uh, apparently, yeah, because they got in first time, but that must have been a fluke. So yeah, I guess now so. you. Know, I think it's once the the maybe it's once that slime falls out, then that's like you know it's trying to it's trying to like you know push a, a wet limp spaghetti noodle through a colander the wrong way. It just you know it doesn't go that way. I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's true. But okay, I don't. I am just that, making it up. What was the what was the thing that what was the. What were they so worried about for the kids in the, in the movie? I couldn't. They didn't it want out. them to get taken away to the home for the ugly because <laughs> they were not they were not normal people. They were, uh, <laughs> as uh, Manzini put it, the reason why he made he was so concerned is because of the way society would see them. Ugliness is not in a mirror. Ugliness is cruelty, meanness of spirit. Greed, to be blessed with unusual features, is an adventure. That's how he said it diplomatically. To be blessed with unusual features, that is an adventure. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. so here's what happened. I, I imagine this is what happened. Somehow Tops sold the film rights to their cards, or 
I don't know what they, maybe they helped produce the movie actually. Yeah. And um, they told someone, okay, we make this into a movie. And the person who was assigned that, that task was probably like, how the hell do you make these training cars into a movie? <laughs> oh, for sure. They definitely yeah. were like, well, shit, how do you shoehorn in a narrative? Yeah. It's just like, you know, you see those joke trailers or whatever, and it's like, because everybody's making a movie out of things like Battleship, whatever, or Clue, mm -hmm. which was good. Not Battleship. But then you have like, <laughs> shoots and Ladders, the movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's almost like saying, ah, you know what? How about we make a movie out of the 1990s series of Topps cards for baseball? You know, it's yeah. like, coming, 1990s roster in baseball, the movie. I don't know. It's just weird. It, yeah, definitely weird. And I guess someone had said, told them it's going to be a live action because if this had been an animated movie or something, all you had to do was just animate the kids being gross and, and, and disgusting. And But because they were going to make it into a live action movie, they were like, okay, we got to make them look like the cards, but it's live action. And so they had to somehow make these bizarre looking children fit into a real world scenario so they're like genies out of a bottle with the, the garbage can is like the bottle and um, <laughs> they don't do anything special. There's no origin story. You mentioned like at the beginning, there's like some sort of spaceship thing. Yeah. The garbage can was like a spaceship at the beginning and in the opening credits. But they didn't mention that ever again. No, no they I didn't. <laughs> they didn't. That was just like, I, I just, I guess a shot in the dark at, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you what, one thing I found interesting that I think would have been a stronger angle for this, and honestly, much truer to form to what the cards or the spirit of the cards were, uh -huh. was that when it was originally going to be, uh, when it was originally being developed, the first guy who was considered to direct is this dude named John Carl Buechler, Buechler, sorry, mm -hmm. mispronouncing that, his version of it was make it like a straight up horror movie. And it's where, like, some sort of toxic sludge or something poured into a garbage can full of broken dolls. And it mutated them and brought them to life, and they were going to just go off and become serial killers. So it's sort of like Puppet Master Chucky. Now, that would have been much more in line with the spirit of the cards, because the cards were honestly horrific. I mean, you saw some of the images in the beginning when they showed, but yep. some of those, like, they didn't show them on this. I, there were some that were really, really fucked up. <laughs> So I'm going to go ahead and look at some pictures after this, just to get oh, an yeah. idea. But I can, I can imagine because I've seen Im the, a lot of the cards images before in the past. Um, but yeah, I can, I can picture that being just absolutely grotesque. And speaking of the cards to the opening of the movie, that was actually a really cool part. I thought, uh, yeah. you know, it paid homage to the fact that these it's based on a card series. It showed like the cards fly up with their character names, even had the, li the live action actors in it like had their own versions on on the trading cards and everything. I thought, okay, that's kind of cool. It was all downhill from there, though. That was the <laughs> yeah. highlight. <laughs> all right, well, there's so many things. There's so much to unpack, but we only have so much time. So speaking let's just get real quick, the... yes. I'm sorry to interrupt, but speaking real quick of trading cards and movies based on trading cards, did you know that Mars Attacks is based on a trading card series? No. Yep. Really? My dad used to collect them when he was a kid. Oh, that's dope. Okay, I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, sorry to didn't mean to interrupt. Let's, that's let's, all uh, right. You know where we start, Dan. We've done this before a few times together. So let's get into it with characters. So what characters stood out to you and why? Yes. Um, okay. 
this is might be an easy one. Tangerine. Yes. <laughs> she was so uh, back and forth. I, 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 it was like the actress didn't know how to perform the role. She didn't know if she was playing like the good girl in a bad relationship role part or if she was a bad girl in a bad relationship or if she was um just all bad not because of the relationship um because she kept kind of going there was like these moments where you thought she was sympathetic to dodger or something but then the next scene she's like a complete jerk to like him and his yes. little garbage pail friends i don't know I, I didn't know what to think i didn't know what direction they were going to go with it um she, and then and then yeah, she, she has definitely a, went bad yeah she did and at the last the last scene she has this like change of heart just because she saw all hell break loose in the back of the <laughs> fashion show like that's why she has a change of heart i don't know i don't know i think it's i don't know i think it's because i don't know whatever <laughs> she's just so bipolar but look she is a product of the abusive relationship she's in with juice i mean he is just like physically abusive he pushes her around yeah he walks down to her and he takes her fucking money every time oh i know and she sticks with him because apparently you know the city's small enough that that's the only guy she can you know she can get i don't know why she's attractive oh here's the other thing okay let's talk about this let's just put this out here first this is weird she is weird because the actress and the character are supposed to be, I'm, well, they don't ever say how old she is, but the actress is 15 when this is done. I was wondering that. She's 15. So first of all, how the fuck is she driving? I don't know. So I assume maybe she's supposed to play someone who's like 18. I'm, I just went with, maybe that's what she's doing. She's okay. playing an 18 year old because she's with Juice, who's in his 20s, clearly, mm-hmm. unless he's a pederast and then, you know, she's 15. <laughs> and that's just illegal. I don't know. <laughs> But well, I thought that she was, I thought to me, she looked pretty mature. I didn't yeah. think she was, I thought she was a grown woman um, taking advantage of this kid. This that's exactly, that's why I thought it was, she was, yeah, 18, 19 years old using this kid. And then that makes it creepy because he's 14 and he says it very clearly. Mm-hmm. So then you have her like sitting there canoodling him here and there, but that's not the part that gets me. There's okay. two sections in here. Now that I, now that I realized how young she is. One, when he comes over in his Michael Jackson getup, and then yes. she's all astounded by it, and she takes off her jacket, her work lab coat or whatever, sits down in a chair, and then she does a fucking basic instinct leg cross. I didn't even notice. Yeah, she does a basic instinct leg cross, like full shot of her underwear, whatever, and that was uncomfortable. Was and that then intentional? Late, I don't know. I mean, it's right at the bottom of the frame, but it's you. It's there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's a per- very per- per- purposeful shot. <laughs> And then later, when they're selling clothes, she takes off her shirt, yep. and they keep it again at the very bottom of the frame, but there are a couple shots where you can see her bra is see-through. It's very quick, but still. There's a lot of see-through clothes in this. He's 15! <laughs> That's creepy as fuck, man! Yeah. I don't understand. I mean, well, there was also that, there was a lot of kind of uncomfortable stuff in this. Like that scene where where Tangerine goes into the antique store for the first time looking for beads or something. Oh, yeah. And, and Dodger leans down and sniffs her hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was, see, I was watching the first part of this uh, with my wife, and I, when I looked up her, I was like, wait, how old is this chick? And that's when I saw her. I was like, what? And my wife's like, well, you know, women mature faster than men. And then all of a sudden, he leans in and starts sniffing her hair. I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right. That's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's so strange. I know. It was. I was like... 
I that is so weird. <laughs> but okay, so we got Tangerine. Yes, she is a oh, solid. Does choice. she live? She's fifteen. Is, do you think she's meant to be a high schooler in this? Movie? I think I know. I think she's eighteen, and she's supposed to be oh, on her own okay. by herself. She's out of That's school. What I was Look, wondering. There, the world that this is taking place it's in is so strange world. and unclear. And part of it is because they had a, a no budget. Uh, and I didn't realize this until the end, or no, sorry, later when the Garbage Pail Kids come out and, you know, follow him to go visit her, right? And then that first time she sees him. Yeah. That's when I realized for the first time, hold on, she lives next door yep. to the store? <laughs> yep. I Because before, it's, they're always shot separately, and then all of a sudden they just pan over. So it's really tipping <laughs> the hand that, oh, literally we have one section that we can film in, and we're doing it. And I found out that everything was shot in one warehouse somewhere in the middle of the valley here. And oh. yeah, in a warehouse, they set this facade up outside that connected to the interior for the store. And then they just maybe shot a couple other random locations. Around, That's so funny. You Because I one of the things I wrote down was, where was this shot? Where was this filming? Because there's a, a skyline footage for a brief moment of a city. And I didn't recognize it as... The L.A. skyline, even in the, the 80s, I didn't recognize it as the L.A. skyline of the 80s, which I've seen in several movies. Yeah. And they but they did when they cut to the um the city home for the ugly or whatever shot where they go <laughs> to visit it. I could see like the Burbank Hills in the background. And I was like, that's definitely Burbank, right? Yeah. Or so somewhere you could, you could see that there. <laughs> there was another part where I was uh I was watching it and I saw something else that was uniquely this i think it was just one of the wide scenes it looked clearly down a van nuys alleyway or something got it got it yeah yeah it's like that skyline it might be burbank for all i know i have no idea where they got that because it's not la because i was trying to pay attention to those things though because i really wanted to know where they actually shot it there are there's a scene where um the captain and the kid dodger go to the um, home the oh city, and home you see his ugly. car right yeah, and it has a Pennsylvania plate. Yeah. They try to throw that off a bit, like the Pennsylvania plate, but yet there's palm trees, and yeah, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Um, okay, I I have to say, I got to give a shout out to uh, Tangerine's better half, Juice, because oh, yeah. Juice is the douche. So, Juice, let's, let's look at him here. So, Juice was played by Ron McLaughlin, and his illustrious acting career lasted from 87 to 97 and he was in three projects he was in garbage pail kids back to back a tv movie and he did an episode of silk stockings so prolific it looks like he uh he took almost nine years between roles so i think that was probably to go back to acting school uh so <clears throat> kudos to you ron mclaughlin let's let's hear some of this awesome awesome juicage come on let's go have some fun wish i could help you baby but the little creep's gotta be taught a lesson it's a matter of principle. Oh, yeah? I think it's just a matter of you liking to see people bleed. That's also a great example of this fucking shit dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> that being said... It's a matter of principle. It's a matter of principle. <laughs> that Oh, and also, I do love how, with Juice later on, you always think he's this, like, little two-bit, no-shit criminal, right? And then they decide in, like, the 11th hour, let's go ahead and ramp up his danger level... And we see at the, the backstage of the fashion show, he's on a payphone, of all things, and he's talking to someone about clearly what is a major drug deal because now he's gone from shaking down 14-year-olds to international uh, crimes and drug trafficking. Yeah, 
thank you for reminding me about that. You're right. I had my I had kind of got glossed over at this point in the movie, and so it kind of was kind of losing my focus on it. But that was something that was happening on that payphone, right in the back there. Oh yeah. Well, let me let me go ahead and refresh your memory. As soon as the stuff gets over the border, get it to the warehouse. Oh yeah, because he and his fucking cronies, he's got one dumbass who wears a see-through cutoff shirt, and then this other chick who was obviously the muscle of the group because anytime yeah. they need a you know, anytime they need a valve turned or perhaps a, a really tough pickle jar opened, they just call over Blythe. Blythe. You know? yeah. yeah. So yeah, I gotta give some some love to Ron McLaughlin for juice. And then okay. I'm gonna bounce back on one, I'm gonna pass it over to you, but Okay. I actually do have to say, I got to give some props to Anthony Newley, who played Captain Manzini. Yeah. Look, out of everybody here, maybe again, I'm looking at this through rosy glasses or whatever. I feel like he was the only person in this entire movie that gave his character any sense of life and any sense of gravity. Like, there was at least intention behind when he would say things and even if it was superficial at least it was nice to listen to like he at least had some gravitas that came on the screen whenever he was there and that was kind of a refreshing thing for me yeah i i agree with you he stood out to me because he actually seemed like an actor like he actually i'm not gonna say like it was a, a you know wonderful great performance but he he owned it, you know, he, he didn't like, he didn't half-ass it or anything. He just kind of like went with the dialogue he was given, the, the bad dialogue and did the best he could with it. Um, he, I, I had to look him up because I wanted to see what I was, guy's... I was about to talk about him. Yeah. So what, what sort of treasures did you find? Cause there was one I found that I think is amazing, but what did you find? I probably found the same one. He's like a Oscar nominee. For the soundtrack to uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, he is a musical dude. He does, he does, uh, that's him playing at the keyboard. He does compose music. Mm -hmm. So you saw the legitimate treasure. I was looking at another treasure. Oh. <laughs> that okay. he was the, I believe the director, as well as the star of what is quite possibly the best name of a film I've ever seen. Can Hieronymus Merkin ever forget Mercy Humpy and find true happiness? Where he played Hieronymus Merkin. And it is a 1969 comedy fantasy musical movie about a dude who just bangs a bunch of women trying to right. find love. And he wrote the music for it. He directed it. And it apparently is super fucking weird. It, I, I, I need to see this one. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Just that title alone. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I mean, look, Merkin. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Merkin's great. But he's, I mean, he's done a lot of stuff. He's done a lot of TV from Murder, She Wrote to Alfred Hitchcock Presents, you know, he's CBS mm -hmm. Summer Playhouse, Simon Simon. Um, tons seemed, of stuff. He seemed like one of those guys that you're like, I know I've seen this guy in something, and it probably was Murder She Wrote because that show was. He on probably years. was. <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's hear a little bit of him uh, taking some of this fine wordsmithing and uh, just trying to do the very best that he can. Have I ever forbidden you to touch any of my treasures? This is the one exception. Yes, sir. Did you get the blood of a toad and the eye of a newt? Nope. Pet shops out of unicorns too. No wonder there's no magic in the world today. You can't get the ingredients. Here, try this out. A dress? 
only to westernize. This is a dashiki given to me by the great African tribal leader, Um Toto, in gratitude for making his mother-in-law disappear. <laughs> so, there you go. I like Just because of that introduction speech, I want to know his... I want a movie about him. Yeah, like, I me want, too. And I love how he also says later, he's like, I did a split week between Cleveland and Cairo. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> That's the movie I want to see. So That's a really good point. I... I wanted to know what this guy's deal was. Was he a ancient, like immortal wizard, <laughs> yes. or was he just some kind of crazy guy who collected junk? Or yeah, was he just like a Howard Hughes who just had a bunch of fuck off money, bought a bunch of weird oh, shit, or he's like yeah. a hoarder who just grabbed things off the ground, made yeah. up these fanciful stories, and yeah. is like mentally ill, living in a <laughs> on trespass property. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He didn't use magic to turn on the washing machine. He just plugged it in <laughs> he or... just yeah he had a switch near his foot <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, like there were points in the in the movie where he's like so whimsical and otherly you know otherworldly and then um they didn't go anywhere with it i kept waiting no. for something to, to uh yeah this movie is this movie i'm not going to say that this movie has failed potential because quite frankly i don't see the potential <laughs> movie based on the garbage field kids at all but, Son of um, a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Great for you have. Do you have a, a, another character you'd like to bring up before we move um, on? Uh, th- those those grotesque kids. The all the garbage kill fodder. Like what <laughs> the f? Like what was that? What are they? It's they're. It's so strange. And they, they um, Dodger uh essentially creates a sweatshop with these grotesque yes he the locks basement. them in the basement and makes them make clothing for him yes <laughs> and they go with it but they're so disgusting it was just vile and look I, at you you know, rude normie i'm i know i'm a i'm a normie i'm a normie so help me i just i wanted to see those kids get locked up wow. i was rooting for juice in the gang <laughs> I was, I was like, I was totally team juice. Yes, totally team juice here. Well, just like Nat the nerd or nerd Nat, I'm gonna have to pee my pants because of you've upset me. Like every time he was like, like, is that a nerdy thing to do? Like that was his that was his cue is that he's gonna be the guy who's wearing his his Superman or superhero pajamas. He's got the broken glasses, the acne face. He's got fucking curly hair, red curly hair, and he just pees his pants all the time. <laughs> and I guess that's that. Uh, <laughs> so funny thing about the, the garbage pail kids themselves. Uh, what I read was that the animatronics necessary to fully articulate the expressions on the face Mm-hmm. Ended up being much more complex than than the technicians had anticipated. Yet oh, the director's shit. like, "Fuck <laughs> it, we're just going to go ahead and start filming," thinking that they'll get it better throughout the progress of the movie. But they didn't. They never did. They that just what you saw is what they did. That's as good as it got. They never actually improved it. So that's why half the time, Wendy Winston looks like he's like super stoned, yes! or you know, half of their eyes are like looking up and down, the other, <laughs> or their mouths don't move. It's it, it, the articulation foul-ups are great, but my favorite screw... Well, well, I'll get to the... This is a WTF ahead of time, but right. I love that I saw at least twice 
when Alligator would move and his shirt would pull back and I could see the actor yep. underneath the green gloves. I saw that too. Um, so just to see if I actually can remember this, the kids, the Garbage Pail kids are uh, Alligator that is a uh, human, but it's an, it looks like an alligator or is it just no, an he alligator is, with an No, he is an, an alligator. He is, uh, he's an anthropomorphized alligator. All right. That's why he eats eyeballs and fingers and toes. Yeah. He had a whole lunchbox full of them. Yep. Don't know where he got that. The next <laughs> one is like brought him in the garbage pail. The the um the little dude the little gross dude is um uh uh foul oh, Phil. Fa- oh the little oh. baby right the, the baby. baby he's little foul baby. Phil yeah um then there's uh Valerie vomit yep and uh there's a greaser that's uh <laughs> yes that's greaser Greg um then there's the nerd Nat nerd yep. And then there's Winston. Wendy Winston. Winston. Love Winston. him. He's yep. my fave. Yep. And then there's um, the gross one. Messy the, Tessie. Yes. The one that reminded me of Sissy Spacek. Yes. It's because she has the little nose that's kind of pointed up. I thought about that. She's yes. like she's and like a hair, nightmare version of Sissy hair. Spacek. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, is this, this is like, that's, that's Sissy Spacek from Carrie. Right? I, but yeah, like if she was like three foot tall and 160 pounds and just <laughs> and had a, a head that's approximately yes. three times too big. Yes. I think what's really horrifying is the fact that I get it. And for the time they're doing this practically. So, yes, you have to mm-hmm. cast little people to play these roles mm-hmm. uh, because it's cheaper just to put a mask on them and, and clothe them up and have them run around. But at the cost of doing this. Then there's the pro- the production cost, which is that it looks so fucking cheap because instead yeah. of looking like these otherworldly characters, they look like a gaggle of of little people in a band of thieves who are going to rob you on Halloween night. Yeah. It's, and like and they're wearing the most atrocious masks you could ever imagine. It's horrifying. It was horrifying. I mean, there's one point in the movie where the, the garbage pail kids say, let's go out. Let's put on a disguise first. And they put on like trench coats and glasses yes. and hats. And it's like, wait, does that, it doesn't do anything. It really doesn't. No, it doesn't. Like they still have their giant fucking heads and Wendy Winston still farting up a storm. Yeah. Filthy, you know, or foul Phil is still like mommying in people's faces. Yes. And yeah. What was you know, that about? Tessie's snotting everywhere. It doesn't what, change what, anything. What was, what was the foul Phil thing to going into people's faces and saying mommy well, he's supposed I... to have like bad breath and he's just a baby who's looking for his mommy so it's like he just stinks Ew. and in the card if i remember correctly it wasn't just his breath that's the easiest way they could communicate it without doubling the fart jokes but he just always had a soiled diaper he was just a foul baby oh gross it's, that's my recollection so hey speaking of which <laughs> Yes, speaking of which, let's just go ahead and move on to the story of this and talk about that foul diaper load. Um, So, the story, did it make sense to you, Dan? Actually, kind of, yeah. I will will give it it that there was a through line through Mm -hmm. this um diaper this foul dirty diaper there was a plot to it that it it meandered not all the questions had answers of course uh you had so many questions oh there's so many (laughs) but there it did have like uh yeah there was actually a story like 
um, Dodger making those kids, the garbage belt kids, uh, you know, into a sweatshop to make the clothes so that Tangerine would like them because Tangerine wants to be a fashion designer. And yeah. so that's her goal. And so she finds like that the garbage pail kids are great seamstresses and tailors. And so they're really good at making, I guess, 80s fashion. <laughs> I guess. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do they even like that's a note that's a great point. It's like, how do they even have this skill? Where do the where do they where's their sense of of the zeitgeist in fashion? Like what is hot, what is not, sort of thing. Where do they even get that, you know? <laughs> They can't even get the fucking TV to work, so they have no idea what's happening in the world. They've been living in a trash can, and their their owner... I mean, honestly, let's call it what it is. Like, they're subjugated to being held captive by Captain Manzini. They, He's oh, a fucking there like lunatic. A, there was an attempt to make it a musical for a brief second with this oh, yes. song. <laughs> Dude, I had forgotten that that happened, so when they break in the song... Oh I didn't know God. what the hell was going on. Yes, and it's. Can, can you play some of it? It's I, just can, like the worst. I can. I can. I'm. I'm just finding it. I'm going there. I'm getting it there. Was, I was offended. There's so many other things to be offended about in this movie. <laughs> that was a, <laughs> offensive that they tried to make it a musical. How dare! And what it. I was waiting for was it to happen again, and it didn't. I know. Actually, if they had had to happen again, it may have made it better. But oh yeah, just, it would they, have at they, least they, been exactly what it is. Yeah, okay, there it is, yep. We'll give you a vote! <laughs> <clears throat> Let's hear it. Why should we do something nice? Let's quit now, that's my advice. We can't do anything by working with each other. I ain't gonna work for free. Tell me what's in this for me. We can't do anything by working with each other. Come on, kids, take a shot. Show them what we really got. The sentiments of it are back and forth. Like, I don't get it. It's like a, it's like a store brand Muppets. Okay. I mean, it's like horrifying to watch because like when they show Wendy Winston singing, his eyes are so fucking wide. Like they're <laughs> popping out. Like it's, it's terrifying. And... <laughs> And then when there's the wide shot of them together, they're just sort of dancing. Yeah. And watching Nat Nerd, it's just like what it's this is a monstrosity that I'm seeing before unfold before me. His face looks like a, a real like a a herpes ball sack. Like <laughs> it does. It looks like herpes. <laughs> uh, have you seen my brain? Yeah. <laughs> It's that's the sort of shit that when a friend of mine would say like back in college, be like, "Oh, a set and gum," and then I look over and it's his nutsack. Just oh yeah, out. that's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. Except it's on the top of a a shitty bodysuit. Oh, oh my, my god. god! And they're breaking into a sweatshop. They're breaking into the non-union sweatshop. Yeah, the to... non-union sweatshop. <laughs> well, okay, I will say this for the production: they have lots of funny little things like that in the movie that uh, they're not. I didn't pick up on them when I was a kid, but as a grown no, up, I'm like, oh not. yeah. And I love like the most dangerous bar in the world or whatever. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All the little signs around. It's, it's pretty interesting. And you know, when you're looking inside the, um, uh, oh, sorry, the toughest bar in the world, that's what it is. And then when they're inside yeah. the, uh, the home for the ugly. Yeah, that was, that was, I have to say that I know this is a, a weird thing to say about this, but that was like such a half-assed 
attempt at humor. Dude, it was such a... (laughs) I was like... Chicken wire doors with wood instead of steel. And people in these cages, and they just didn't like let themselves out. Now, think about it. When you look at those people in those cages, they weren't ugly. None of those people in the cages were None of them were ugly. None. And then, I mean, if you look at the two guys who are enforcing this... They should have been in yes. there. You got these two dumpy ass looking old white guys wearing shitty security guard costumes, throwing a fucking rope net over people. Okay, for for those who haven't seen this yet, there is a a city home for the ugly, right? Is that what it's called? It is state home for the ugly. The state home for the ugly, and they have like ugly people catchers that they go around in town and like <laughs> throw nets over people that they think are ugly, like that little girl who's. Counting she was wearing a mask, a, yeah. Yeah, she was wearing a mask. Oh, in fact, then, you mean you mean this part here? We shouldn't wear a mask unless it's Halloween, kid. No hot feelings, eh, kid? Go suck a rope. <laughs> Wait, go, what did she say there? She said go suck a rope. <laughs> oh. I I thought it was like go suck a robe. I was like, <laughs> I couldn't tell what she said. I even wrote it down trying to figure it out. I, I replayed that so many times. I was like, what did she say to them? And is that even an insult? Do, do I need to be educated about something? Like, I, what is... It, Dan, if you don't know, man, then oh, you don't man, know. I guess I have to go to, I have to go to like Urban Dictionary after this. And look that up. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not your fault. She's missing like the front three teeth. So yeah. you can't, she can't so articulate very just, clearly. You're saying they should have just captured her. They, they, yeah, they, yeah. She, there's no reason. Just leave the she took the mask off, but I mean. Yeah, but did she though? Yeah, I know, but did so, she? <laughs> yes. So the state home for the ugly, that, that, that part of the whole story, that was, um, I will say this when it comes to the story. They had a really good, as far as this movie could be, explanation for where the kid, the other kids are. Because the reason that the Garbage Pail Kids go there or they want to find this place is because they think that's where the rest of their friends are. Because there's a ton of them, and there's only seven here. So where are the rest? Might be at the home for the ugly. So they want to find them, so they go there. They're not there. Problem is, you know, they you find out later that the other kids weren't there because they got stuck in the trash and compacted by a garbage truck. But... Captain Manzini says that realization after, you know, he says, remember when we saw the garbage truck, we were too late. Well, the kids were already kidnapped when they saw the truck. Ergo, the kids of the movie would have seen their friends in there. I, I'm It's so, not a huge place. I, I'm so, I, you know what? It felt like, it felt like they added the state home for the ugly in at like the halfway mark. Because they're like, oh, shoot, we got to give them a reason to. It's like, oh, we need conflict. Yeah, exactly. That's what it felt like. And so they're like, damn, straight home for the ugly. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) And so they added it. But if they would have, honestly, this would have been resolved and not been a big plot thing for me. If they would have just taken the sequence when Manzini and Dodger go to look for the kids. And move it forwards where they're going to look for the state home for the ugly. And they find it, and then they get booted out before the kids get kidnapped. Then they see a garbage truck, and then you know, oh, garbage is leaving, whatever. Then when they get taken in, the reason you never saw the others is because they were already killed and thrown away. That makes it much more meaningful. But opportunity lost, and now we're left with what we have. And, of course, uh, Nat Nerd doing this. Just peeing everywhere. Just peeing everywhere. Just wetting, wetting himself. Yeah. 
What I like, though, is he has such a healthy stream, it actually shoots out through the pants, <laughs> and then you actually yeah. see a stream running down, so you go back. It goes through his little onesie yeah. and shoots out. <laughs> just shoots out. He's not pulling it out. He doesn't have to. Hmm. Okay, so we will agree that <clears throat> the story's it's it's there. It's just maybe not yeah. the most depth, but it's there. So let's get to the real fun part here. Um, oh, what the fuck? And no, we cannot say the entire movie. That would just be a cop out. You're right. But we can do a, a greatest hits if you'd like. Um, okay. So uh, other than the rickety shitty things of <clears throat> of the home for the ugly, what the hell is this building? Because you go in there and they apparently have all these boxes, like it's a warehouse, which again, you know, me paying attention to the detail here, I'm looking at this and it says survival supplies furnished by Office of Civil Defense, Department of Defense. And it says the date of pack, February 1963. So all these boxes. This is in that the, home, the state home. This is in when Manzini's sneaking in. Yeah. They're all against, because there's only what? <clears throat> I don't know, a 9, 10, 11 cages in the home for the ugly. And the rest of it has giant cable spools and other sorts of boxes like, and a shit. Warehouse. It's a warehouse. That's all it is. It's Because that's what they were filming in. Um, yeah. So I think that's a, kind of a what the fuck is uh, how how is this place even designed and built? Who's in charge? Who who oversees this? Yeah, what, I, what's, what department has purview? The outside of the building, they actually got like a, a, you know, they filmed on the outside of a building that looked like it could be like a, 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 a psycho home or, or, or like a, a hospital, some kind I of I like hospital. psycho home. We'll just go with that. <laughs> it's the outside of a psycho a home. Psychiatric hospital. Oh, that's what I was thinking of. That's the one. <laughs> but it looked like it could be. They just like put like a little, you know, um, a chain link fence in front of it and said, oh, it's the state home for the ugly. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, that they filmed the outside of an actual building that looked like it could be a hospital, but you're right. Once they go on the interior, it just becomes like a warehouse which, yeah. with these chicken wire cages with just a bunch of normal people really just sitting inside there. Yeah. I mean, what kind of asshole would kidnap Santa and put him in? I don't know. In, in weird and wasn't Abraham things. Lincoln in there or did I imagine that too skinny? Oh my God. It is Abraham Lincoln. You're right. <laughs> Oh shit! Okay. Is Abraham Lincoln like a mythical character nowadays? Like he's just a myth. Yes, he's just Abraham Lincoln's ugly now. I don't know. I got. Oh man. <laughs> okay, so that that's that's good. What about uh, anything come up to you that you're thinking yes. about? <laughs> okay, I I don't know if there was product placement intentionally here, but there was a lot. Um, and and one one scene in particular that I that stood out to me, almost impressive by this film's standards. Was the scene where the kids steal a Pepsi delivery van? Oh yes, yes, and drive off with it. And and I don't know why Juice is driving his van now because he wasn't driving his van uh, at this point. He was driving a, um, a Tangerine's car, but suddenly he switched over. And now he's alone in his van. Yeah, and he sees it coming at him, the Pepsi truck coming at him, and he leaps in just in time out of his car and. You know, you hear crashing noises off off camera and everything. A tire bounces by him. And then you it, camera pans back out. And it's like a car that's just been flattened, like a real yeah, car that has been flattened. Yeah. And, I, and it was run over, I guess, by the Pepsi van. Then the next shot 
is all the garbage belt kids with their junk food having a little bonfire and the Pepsi van is fine. Whatever that Pepsi van is made of, the government needs to get on that because yes, yes, they do. <laughs> but also uh, later in the movie, Juice's van is back to normal. Maybe he got like a little. You oh, know, you know, he must have had a spare. Or, <laughs> he had a spare, spare van. van, you know, as <laughs> yeah. one does. Um. That was uh, probably one of the biggest uh, WTF moments. Ah uh, yes, I um I'm always a fan of Wendy Winston, and yeah. I love how he um comes in. Alligator and him break off from the group when they go out for their night of carousing. Yeah, on and on their ATVs. On their ATVs, which again, <laughs> okay, and there's an attached like cart, so that's cool. Yeah, um, convenient. And they go to a bar, and Wendy's outside working on the ATV because it's breaking down. So Allie comes in, tries to bite some biker in fucking Birkenstocks. And, yep. and that hurts him. So they get into a big fight. Well, then Wendy because, comes oh, because in. Because Allie likes to eat toes. He does. Way. He likes to eat yeah. toes. Yeah. He's apparently a serial murderer because, you know, the toes and fingers in his lunchbox are one thing. But when you have fucking eyeballs in there, yes. you killed someone for that. <laughs> so there's no getting around it. You know, it's not like you spoon somebody's eye out and tell them to go have a, have a nice evening. Yeah. So Wendy comes in, and then he just issues forth this retribution of awesome that is punctuated by him farting off the bartender's hat and mustache. I rewound that. I yes. have to watch it again. The bartender has a shitty... Pen, pen on tattoo that says mom with a heart over the, the skull and crossbones. I did not. It's literally that. drawn with a Sharpie or a pen on his shoulder. It's wonderful. But I did rewind that scene to watch it. I don't know, twice maybe just yes. because I was like, wait, did I just see his mustache fly off? <laughs> and then, and then I love this guy who shows up who actually for a hot second, I thought, and I wish it was, but I thought it was Bill Paxton doing a cameo. Oh, because it looks like Bill Paxton with a beard. He just comes up and then he he vouches for Wendy. Oh yeah, hold it! Little sucker's got guts. He's with me. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's how it works, you know. Uh, So, good times. That was so. Why why did he just not like blow his like a hole through his jeans? Like that guy was (laughs) gross. Like oh, he's my favorite. He's the best. Because. doesn't I, make I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to end up playing almost all of Wendy Winston's epic farts uh, <laughs> in here. And, of course, the best one, now, because I'm on it, is when he, they, they crash the fashion show. And then he just bolts down the runway, and he literally clears out the room. <laughs> That little laugh. <laughs> that, I'm sorry, Dan. Was... Did I not tell you that there would be quite a lot of toilet humor on this episode? I figured. I figured there there was going to be. Actually, I you know I can handle that. I, I can handle that. I'm not. I I can't. I I I have sympathy for the for who, who was who was your your co-host on the um, Human Centipede episodes? Oh, Chris. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I felt so bad for him. Oh yeah, I, yeah. That's good yeah. times. Think I can handle this is like 
perfect. Can you handle this? Mommy! I'll get him! I'll get him! <laughs> All right, Wendy! Gross! <laughs> Gross! <laughs> Gross! <laughs> Okay, okay, I'm done. I'm done playing the farts. I swear. I, okay, I, okay, I pretty much think I. I'm okay, done. which was the worst? Which one is the worst garbage pill kid? Which one of those is the one you wanted to see get trash compacted? <laughs> uh, foul Phil. Um, Same. I think Phil. Yeah, he's just too annoying for me. It's just like he's just. Yeah, you know, because look, well, and also. Or snotty CC SpaceX. I don't know one of one of those. But at two. least she could glue things. <laughs> Because it's so funny because you look at them and there's like they're gross, right? But instead, I look at them each as like superpowers. So, you know, mm, I guess uh, like alligator, his superpower was, you know, he's a fucking alligator. He can just bite yeah, things up. That's true. Greaser yeah. Greg is just a badass. He's just like a miniature human who can cut people. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Wendy Winston, best superpower ever, obviously. Uh, <laughs> you know, Valerie Vomit. She's got the projectile puke, which yeah. it was a real inspired choice to hold back why they call her that name till the very end yeah um, i was i was wondering when it was going to happen and yeah uh, that you know what that is now this this is i'll give them 100 credit this is chekhovian right here you saw the gun on the mantle when they said valerie vomit and you know that gun's going to get fired sometime in this play and then it happened in the final act because they say it really briefly at the beginning and then that never any yeah yeah yeah, yeah, they had to. If they hadn't done that, you... I mean, I he got she got punched in the gut, so he could have she could have thrown oh, yeah. up anyway. But it was <laughs> yeah, just he, he punches her. He punches this like little girl, like <laughs> gross little girl in the gut. <laughs> Fucking juice. Are they human? Are they no, all they're, meant to they're be not. human? They're they're otherworldly, I guess. Yeah, they're okay. Can we go back to the clip that you played of of Captain Mancini? What's his name? Is that his name? Manzini, yeah. Manzini. He, and he's he introducing says, them or well, no, when he's talking about I let you I let you touch anything in here, right? Oh yeah. He's like makes such a big deal about this garbage pail. The other clip that talks about it more so is right here. According to legend, all the troubles in the world were once squeezed into one tiny little box oh we got it along came this nosy little girl called pandora opened it up let them all out i don't understand think of this as pandora's pale pandora's pale yeah he makes it he puts this like mystique around it yeah. like hypes it up and it's just like a, a thing full of like gross little kids <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> it it's just a bunch of kids who just shit and vomit and pee. They literally yes. do any bodily function. Yep. That's all they are. It's a collection of personified body functions. Thank God they didn't have any fecal matter in there. Oh yeah, well uh, I'm sure there is one. Well, foul um, Phil kind of covered it. You know. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, but uh, uh, okay. But the other WTF moment, real quick, was yes. was the them getting. They made such a big deal about. You're going to lock them in the basement because, you know, at the end, they lock the kids in the yeah. basement when they want to go to the fashion party because they made those clothes. And he gets all, you know, hurt about you're locking them in the basement. How dare you lock them in the basement? But aren't are, isn't the captain and the kid trying to lock them in a garbage pail? Yeah. Again, it's goal? <laughs> it's very uneven in 
what is happening at one point in time yeah like you know problematic the most is tangerine with her seesawing back and forth between between being just an awful awful human being bitch and then being a sympathetic abused girlfriend yeah then she's like suddenly this mastermind of sweatshop labor yeah Uh, (laughs) just the same thing as you have captain manzini who has this care and this this profound you know compassion for these kids but then he's just like put them in the pail (laughs) we need to play the song to throw them back in if i play it backwards they'll go (laughs) yeah he goes and he he rescues them from the state home of the he rescued them from the state home of the, the ugly just to put them in a garbage pail. <laughs> my uh, my other WTF I'll have to call out is what they decidedly what they call fashion in this movie. Oh. Even by 80s standards, this is a stretch. But I think my favorite is little Dodgers, you know, prepubescent Chippendale outfit, where he's rocking the fucking bow tie oh, yes. with no shirt. <laughs> I mean, it's got like an undershirt or something. He's got a white, like, what is that? An A shirt under there? Yeah. And and this fucking sparkly bow tie and a tuxedo jacket that's been embellished with sequins. And he just looks like a real asshole running around. It's like a kid playing dress up in his dad's clothes. Yes. Yes, exactly. That's what it felt like. Yes. And then, of course, and you even hear it, some reservation in the woman running the fashion show it is what is that quite possibly the shittiest venue for a fashion show i've ever seen it's a very subtle comment uh-huh. but uh but you can see her just not really impressed here ah and here we have another black skirt with a zebra top <laughs> it's like ah <laughs> and we have another black skirt <laughs> i know with a zebra top <laughs> Yeah. Oh God! Like, how did she manage to get a fashion show, like at a department store in like a day? She's like, I, I don't know, but it's at McBundy's. So what are you gonna do? Yeah, McBundy's. <laughs> it just sounds like a weird. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm thinking McDonald's and Ted Bundy. So I'm like, yes! oh, that's where serial killers go to get their, their fast food. And of course, the big WTF is how the final 10 minutes or five minutes of this fashion show sequence turn into like a sequence from Porky's with all these women getting their clothes ripped off, running around in their underwear. That's, that was one of those moments where I was like, wait, who is the intended audience for this? Like (laughs) little kids, I guess. Yeah. It's funny because they classify it as a, you know, adventure comedy family. I'm like, there's nothing fucking family about this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe Captain... Uh, McSpacey or whatever his name is, uh, Mincini is kind of like McSpacey. the, the uh, he's got like the little heart to it. He's like as close to family as they could get. I guess, I guess. Okay, you know, look, <laughs> this whole movie's wackadoo. Yep. Okay, let's. Um, is there any other ones you want to bring up before we wrap it? Just because I know that uh, we could just go on a tear for we, we could, we could. Um, let's see here. No, I, I can't think of anything in particular. I, I just like every bizarro moment with these kids that they, I don't know. It, it felt like, um, yeah, I don't know. Is that what it felt like? Yeah, that's what it felt like. Actually, that feels better. 
<laughs> this movie felt like. <laughs> uh, I, I knew I knew you were at a loss for words, but I just uh, I figured I'd just help you along with that. So. One real quick thing about Juice and his gang. Yes, they dressed like like '80s rich kid yuppies. So yes. why were they chasing down a kid for his money? I have no idea. I mean, I'm guessing they were part of a drug cart. Oh, I mean, yeah, there's there's that too that they threw in. I, I, don't, I don't know. know. I think it's because they just did what Juice told them. Uh what I do like is how <clears throat> one thing that they all had in common, this was their first movie. Oh. Well, uh, for for Wally, the the guy with the see-through shirt, looks like yeah. he should have actually been, you know, I don't know, hanging out at the gym or something. Yep. Instead of walking the streets. He uh that was his only movie credit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Uh, Blythe got her start there, and um, yeah, and we already talked about Juice. What about okay. Tangerine? What does she end up doing? Tangerine, she actually went on to do quite a lot of stuff. Uh, Katie Bar- Barbary, Barbary. Mm-hmm. I apologize for not knowing your name, Katie Barbary, Barbary. She uh, she did a lot of actually some telenovelas, apparently. She went on and did um, telenovelas such as uh, Oh, Graci, Evala. Trailera, pardon me for my Spanish. El Fantasma del Ellen. Wow. Tonya Barbara. La Marca del Deso. Wait, in Mexico? Dude, she did a bunch of them. Wow. She's like she a, is, she, just... is she a Mexican actress? She, they say, uh, let's see, that she went to Latin American telenovelas or Latin soaps. Uh, yes, actually she is, and that's weird. I, she does not look like she she, no. she was born in Mexico, but yes, she is from Saltillo, Mexico. And that's so crazy. Did, was she? Was she her? Because she looks very, very Anglo. I'll say. Yeah, that. yeah, and she also. I didn't catch any. There was no accent at there was all. No accent unless they being dubbed fifteen her years old. No, not at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not to say that she's not bilingual, but still, it's like. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's that's kind of well. Clearly, cool. she is because I mean, she's went off to be a telenovela yeah. star. So, uh, yeah, there you go. So, wow, professional act. So, I guess some of these act these stars actually did make a living from acting, besides Juice and his cronies. Well, she did. And that's about it. <laughs> uh, did, well, wait, so Sean Astin's brother didn't do anything after this? No, he did too. I forgot that Sean Astin's brother was in this. Story. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, our, I already about... forgot. I mean, we had they had some pretty big voice talent. Uh, Jim Cummings, who is a oh I, big, yeah uh, voice talent guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He uh, he did two of the voices. He did um, what's it? Nat Nerd and Alligator. Wow. Uh, but he also went on afterwards to regret his role in this. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, here's the fun thing about Mackenzie Aston. Mm-hmm. He went on, signed on to the movie without his parents' permission. You know, his oh, father. Oh, really? The, the actor, yes. <laughs> you know. Um, and when he brought the script home and his father saw it, he actually started talking to to all the uh, lawyers that they could to try to get his son out of it. So John Aston was like, no, nah, I don't want my son in this. But Oh, my gosh. No, that's he, he so stayed. interesting. That is, that's funny. I mean, how does a kid sign on to a movie without their parent knowing? Yeah, that's a good thing. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Hollywood, hey, it's the 80s, baby. It's maybe the like 80s. the agent, his agent or something signed to it. Or, or maybe, know. maybe. Yeah. And another fun fact, Mackenzie Aston and the girl Katie Barbary, who played Tangerine, they were dating actually in real life when they um, did this movie. Wait, who? who? Dodger and Tangerine were dating for real. 
No way. Yeah, I mean, they broke up partway through the movie from what I'm seeing here, but uh, but yeah. That's crazy. He's, he always seems so much younger than her to me. I know, right? But in <laughs> fact, it's only a year, so weird. Okay. <laughs> All right, yeah. so let's talk about it. So we've uh, we've gone through the characters, the story, the what the fuck factor. So how subversive is this movie on a scale of one to ten, good sir? What do you think? Okay, this movie took an IP, an established IP, and thought, well, let's make a quick buck off of this. We're gonna we're gonna make some money off of this. When everything was getting a movie back then in the 80s, like all of these TV shows had movies, Care Bears, Transformers. I know that I know that Garbage Pail Kids wasn't a, a move a TV show, but they were not unknown IP in the 80s. So I I would wager that they were trying to make something to earn a buck and thought they would. Um, so as far as being subversive, I give it a seven out of ten. I say why should we do something nice? Let's quit now. That's go on. <laughs> so seven. All right, I can dig it. I feel like they probably thought it was gonna be a little bit better than they ended up being. They tried. They tried to yeah. do something with it. I I would absolutely agree. I would totally rock it at a seven, yeah. Okay. Cool. So that's awesome. So I just want you to always remember, Dan, that we can do anything by working with each other. Yeah. You and me makes us. What is it that they you say? You and me makes us, and you <laughs> yeah. and me makes us. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we are me and you. Oh, we are me and you. Oh. Yep. All right. Dan, do you have anything you would like to... Uh, so there you go. You heard... Oh, I should probably talk about where you can see this movie. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm so bad. I, I almost left everybody in a lurch and not knowing how they, too, could enjoy this piece of cinema. Uh, unfortunately, from what I've seen, it's not actually streaming anywhere. You have to get it on DVD or Blu-ray. The collector's edition is available it's expensive, seventy bucks. Or if you want no to get way. the VHS, eighty bucks. No way. Um, yep, seriously, and you can get that on Amazon. Yeah. So, yep, go out there, buy it, and uh, you never know. Maybe they'll finally bring it back to Amazon or something. But for now, you just got to do it the old-fashioned way and buy it on disc or some other sort of visual medium you put into a machine. Wow. Damn. You know, I was impressed at the beginning of the movie when MGM's logo came on. Yeah, the lion roared, and I was like, "Wow, wow!" <laughs> it's like, oh, "Okay, this is." <laughs> they just were—they all they did was distribute it. <laughs> got it, got it. So, Dan, do you have anything you would like to promote before we uh, call this uh, day? Um, y'all can check out my podcast. Whoa! Oh, I hate that song. <laughs> <laughs> I have a podcast out there. Just one thing. It's a. It's buried somewhere amongst a bunch of other podcasts out there. You can go to justonethingpodcast.com, though, and all the episodes are up there. Um, and uh, you can check it out. There's like 16 of them. I had a lot of fun making them a few years back. And, um, and yeah, that's all I can say about that right now. <laughs> cool. I can dig that. Rock and roll. So, Dan, thank you, as always, for being a good sport and checking out the things I send your way. Really looking forward to the next one together. Oh, That's Howard too. the Duck, another gem from my past. 
God, I can't wait to talk about that. Everybody hates it, and I fucking love it. I have been looking forward to watching this. See, now that is a movie that I would like to see on my own, but I'm so glad I get to watch it and talk about it with you, Eric. So I'm really looking forward to that. Hell yeah. Well, thank you. You heard it here. Thank you, Dan. Come back, check it out, and uh, go look up just one thing. I'll go ahead and put that in the show notes so you can find it. Just click on that and uh, enjoy Dan's musings on the esoteric and the strange. And then come back here and learn about our feelings of the strange. Until next time, stay subversive. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you leave us a review and a five-star rating at your preferred podcast provider. Tell a friend so they can check it out too. And follow us on Instagram at subversive underscore cinema for more content. Subversive cinema.